Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The race is on, and the driver announcements continue to come thick and fast, and this time it's Alex Albon's turn. He will return from a year in the F1 test driver wilderness to race for Williams in 2022 alongside Nicholas Latifi. But is he the right signing? And what exactly is the situation with his ongoing Red Bull links? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to discuss this and much more is Glenn Freeman. Well, Glenn, hello. A a rare but very welcome appearance for you on the Race F1 podcast. But can you just confirm if you're under contract to this podcast or if you retain ties to the Bring Back V10s podcast you've become famous for? Yep, thanks, Ed. Uh, I can confirm I have been released by Bring Back V10s to do this podcast, but I retain a relationship with it and look forward to doing many more series in the future, which is a joke that will only make sense to anyone who's been following the news agenda today. I'm just going to keep repeating Glenn Freeman is on this podcast. That's going to be my answer to all questions, as that seems to be the Jost Capito uh, Williams approach. But that, of course, segues us very nicely into the the slightly opaque element of this, which is the whole contract status. Alban is indeed a Williams driver for 2022, but around the edges of that and the Red Bull links are all a little bit vague. So what, what exactly do we know about what's going on there? Well, the thing that makes this so interesting is what we heard over the weekend, wasn't it? Where uh, Mercedes and Toto Wolff kind of stuck their oar in, saying that really they didn't want a Red Bull contracted driver driving for a Mercedes-powered team in in Williams. And Red Bull were a bit put out by that. I thought it was interesting that Ferrari said they wouldn't put that kind of restriction uh, on one of their customer teams. But I was curious to see where it would go from that point, because you do sort of wonder how much power does Toto Wolf and Mercedes have over any customer team, but also Williams who are in a period of transition, new ownership, trying to work out where they fit in the F1 pecking order and how they want to go about doing their business. So for it to then suddenly get resolved so quickly and for Alvin to be announced just a few days later, the big question we were all asking and all the fans were asking was, well, is he still a Red Bull driver? And, and Red Bull had a response ready to go, didn't they? Um, which... I don't think really cleared it up. And that that's what's so interesting in a way is that I think my main takeaway here is that Mercedes hasn't got what it wanted. Well, reading between the lines, and Ed, I'm sure you've got the statement to add. You can tell us exactly what Red Bull said. But my interpretation of it was no matter what Mercedes has said and what Mercedes' preference is here, I think Red Bull and Albon are still bedfellows, really. And Williams have gone ahead and, and signed him anyway. Yeah, very, very clearly so. I must admit, I was in favour if they went for a driver like Albon, getting him outright, but they haven't actually uh, actually done that. It was an interesting one because uh, Jos Capito did a little media session after the announcement, and I did ask him about the Red Bull status, and he was uh, very, very evasive, and he said, "Oh, you'll have to uh, you'll have to ask Red Bull." So, of course, we did, and they had their little statement, which was, and I quote, we have released Alex to become a Williams racing driver in 2022, but retain a relationship with him that includes future options. 
that's the limit of it. So uh, future options, if we take that as contract options, that would suggest that they have some call on his services in the long term and retain a relationship with him. That's a phrase that will uh, strike the fear of God into Toto Wolf. And it is interesting that you mention that stuff because at the weekend it all seemed like it was just a little bit petty. It was a little bit sort of he said, she said between Christian Horner and Toto Wolf, And it seemed like it was just part of the general knockabout pantomime stuff of the championship rivalry. But it does seem there's something bigger going on here that Alex Alban is uh, is a small part of. So interesting to see if we're seeing a little bit of a shift in, in alignment. In fact, uh, Mark Hughes, who you will know very well from this podcast, did write a piece uh, that ran on the on the race.com. Don't forget the hyphen if you're going to head there, which which looks into whether this represented a, a power shift between Mercedes and Red Bull in terms of aligning Williams more with them. So if you want to read that, if you search for Mark Hughes' Alban deal hints at Mercedes' Red Bull F1 power shift, there's plenty of uh, interesting speculation in that. But I think what we can be sure of is whatever the exact nature of is, there is something bigger going on. It's far, far bigger than simply Alex Alban driving for a team, isn't it? It seems to be. And, and I think that whole statement from Red Bull saying we've released him, I think all that means is he won't be fully under contract to a Red Bull-owned Formula One team next year, but he still has Red Bull affiliations. So I think it's Red Bull and Williams, they've jumped through a hoop that Toto put in front of them, but it's that classic thing of um, going for what the regulations mean versus the spirit of the regulations. And I think in this sense, they've gone for the the pure black and white meaning of what Toto said rather than perhaps what he meant. And I could understand what he meant. I could understand why it would be a concern with Red Bull building up its own engine department to, to, to build it, to maintain the Hondas and then to build its own engine in the future, to not necessarily want a driver who's using their current engine. But at the same time, they're going to get a bunch of people from Mercedes anyway, and they will probably be able to tell Red Bull much more about how Mercedes HPP goes about making F1 engines than Alex Albon can from saying, well, it's got these modes and it does this. Um, I, I would imagine that uh, really you're going to learn a lot more from the people who make the engines. But I could understand Toto's point. I just find it really interesting. And you mentioned Mark's piece there about maybe a power shift. I think it says it says a lot about Williams that they've been willing to stand their ground here and not just do what really Toto wanted them to do, which was perhaps take Nick de Vries. Yeah, we are not a B team. That was what Jos Capito said today, largely unprompted. I know that's a little bit been the, the calling card of Williams throughout the Doralton Capital era, in fact, even before that. But I think they rather lack the teeth and the and the resources to be not a B team previously. Whereas, I believe them more now. Yeah, I think they've, they've got a slightly better position. There's all sorts of interesting things going on. Josca Pito, of course, has prior links to Volkswagen. Could there, could there be something going on there in the future and Red Bull powertrain supplies and all sorts? So it's a, it's a really interesting situation. We don't know exactly what's going on, but I doubt Toto Wolff will be particularly happy because it seems like this one may have been a little bit uh, outmaneuvered. So yeah, really, really interesting one. But of course, at the heart of this, it is about Albon driving for Williams next year. Williams evaluated pretty much every driver with or near an F1 super licence for the pretty difficult task of succeeding George Russell in 2022. So do you think he was the right choice of the available candidates? Probably, yes. Uh, we, we did a thing on the race website that ran a few hours before this news broke where everyone had to make a, a choice for Williams and for uh, the Alfa Romeo seat alongside Valtteri Bottas. 
Um, partly to say something different and partly because I've always rated him. I, I went for Nico Hulkenberg over Albon for Williams. And my logic really was that of all the, the younger drivers they were they were looking at, and Ed, you can tell me if there's anyone else that should be in this pool, but I guess it was Albon, De Vries, and maybe Guan Yu Zhou. Um, of those drivers, none of them stood out to me as a, a definitive leader that that team needs. You know, In the absence of, of George Russell, it needs somebody who they can rely on. Nicholas Satifi, as we'll talk about a bit later, is popular with the team and has perhaps developed quite nicely there, but he needs a strong teammate alongside him. And I just thought, if you're not convinced by any of those candidates, as I wasn't really, then I think Hulkenberg's shown enough, uh, even last year with some of his standing appearances, um, that he could be someone to go with. But hearing what Jos Capito said to you about the importance of a blend of experience and youth. I can see why they went with Albon. And of those remaining candidates, Albon was the strongest by a long way, really. I don't think you can really be making a case that any of the other drivers they were looking at could trump Albon in any way. Yeah, they did have a good look round. They always stressed that performance was the absolute key and, and they feel that in Albon they've got the drive with the best performance that they could get. Of course, they did talk to Valtteri Bottas as well, but it does seem that he always favoured Alpha rather than a return to his old team. So that was never... A, properly on the table even if even though some talks did did happen but in that same article you're talking about I suggested Albon for both which is uh, (laughs) slightly tricky for him to drive for both but I just felt he was the right driver of those available in terms of the fact that he had the relevant Red Bull experience still something to prove I like the idea of recycling a driver a little bit after a bad experience and we know Albon's got a lot of ability although I must admit if it had been Hulkenberg I would have been quite pleased because he's a driver who I I feel F1 didn't quite get the best out of. He had plenty of opportunities. Ultimately, the way your F1 career goes does kind of depend on what you deliver. I don't think he always did himself justice, but he's a driver of quality and I'd have been I'd have been happy to see him back. But it kind of felt a little bit like his time had passed. And Albon, I think's got a, a big a big potential upside. I think Albon was was sort of best of a best of a slightly limited bunch, especially with the fact that so many of the young drivers around the place are contracted to other teams. Although, like I said, I'm a little bit surprised that they're willing to have a driver who's contracted to Red Bull. But if there's a bigger picture, there's a more global picture about it, then uh, then that explains it. So I think with the choices they've got, you certainly cannot say that in any way Williams are wrong to go with Albon. Well, having established that Albon is still part of Red Bull driver and that he was probably a fairly sensible choice, the big question is how is he going to do? The obvious model for successful post-Red Bull racing rehabilitation is Pierre Gasly, who has thrived since returning to Alpha Tauri, which was then called Toro Rosso, when he was booted back there in mid-2019. So the big question is, can Albon do a Gasly? What do you think, Glenn? It's a brilliant uh, comparison to make, because I think Albon, Albon's situation up to now is, is, is an example of... He, he was a victim of Gasly's uh, nightmare Red Bull racing situation. Albon was going along quite nicely at Toro Rosso, um, you know, finding his way in his rookie season. And then he gets he gets promoted too early to the big team because they'd had enough of, of Gasly. So that that derailed his career in many ways. It was it was too much too soon for a driver who, before he got that Toro Rosso drive at the start of 2019, hadn't even really been on the F1 radar by that point. Um and like you say, Gasly is now Gasly's revival is the prototype for how to do it. Can Albon do what Gasly did? A lot of that will come down to if Williams can do for Albon what Alpha Tauri did 
for Gasly. It's as much about the environment you go to as what you do when you get there. Clearly, the connection between Gasly and Alpha Tauri is very strong. The team knew him already. They like liked him. They still like him. And he's he's creating an interesting situation in, in Red Bull's kind of conveyor belt of talent because the more Red Bull tells Alpha Tauri to stand on its own two feet, the more Alpha Tauri wants to keep this driver who has probably gone beyond the expected lifespan of what we would call a Red Bull junior. So there's an opportunity there for Alvin. I got the impression from the media session you were in with Yostopito, I got the impression that Williams really do, they want to be able to build around Albon and that for all of the talk of a Red Bull relationship and all of that sort of thing, if Red Bull were that interested in taking him back, they would have probably found a way to put him in one of the four seats they control already. So it feels a bit like they're just trying to keep their options open there. So I guess the key is if Red Bull, if, if Williams, sorry, can make this a long-term relationship. I mean, did you get that impression from Capito today that he quite likes the idea of Albon being their guy. Yeah, I asked him that very question. And he said, even though it's only confirmed for next year, that one of the appealing things about Albon was that he is still a young driver. What is he, still 25? So he's got a long future in F1 ahead of him. So he can be the guy for the medium or long term if he pays off. It'll be interesting to see how he goes because the one difference between him and Gasly is obviously Gasly went back to a team that knew him. He'd been at Toro Rosso. They knew how he worked. They'd had some great times with him. So he was able to jump back in and they knew how to get the best out of him. And he's obviously been the senior driver in that team and it's very much been built around him. Williams doesn't have that history with Albon, but obviously he is going in as their chosen driver. I mean, he will know that he was not one of their first sort of half dozen choices if the whole field was clear. Obviously, there's uh, you'd be calling Lewis Hamilton and, and Max Verstappen if you were picking your first choices, but... They should have showed more ambition. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But they could have shown a little bit. They they could have just gone with a rather safe choice of, say, a Hulkenberg or someone like that. I think safe pair of hands at the very least for a year. But they've gone with Alvin because they do think they can do something with him. I use the word recycle both in a feature and in a question to Jos Capito. He, he said he didn't really like the word recycle. But that's exactly how I see it because these drivers have their chance not many teams are that interested in them, and then when you're you're shopping around in the uh, in the bargain bin for drivers with the, with the greatest respect as as Williams were doing, then you have to look for these ones. I'd much rather take someone like Albon, who has always had prodigious talent. He was the man in karting at one stage. Lando Norris had a poster of him on his wall. Charles Leclerc thought he was great. George Russell, he's a driver with a huge amount of ability, but it hasn't quite been harnessed in F1 except in flashes. So. He is damaged goods, was the phrase uh, I used in Formula One. But sometimes you can really work when you do that, as Gasly has shown. He was in the same position and he's thrived. So that, that's what I'm quite interested in. I think it comes down to, does Albon have the character and the, and the mentality and that determination to really do it? I think it also comes down to, does he, is he capable of the consistency? Because even in his time at Red Bull, we saw that on his day, he could be right up there with with a fair wind, he might be a Grand Prix winner by now. There were situations where it could have, it could have come off for him. But obviously, we never quite, we never saw him deliver time after time. Now, was that because the Red Bull was so tricky to drive? Was that because being Max Verstappen's teammate makes that too difficult? You know, nobody, nobody really since Daniel Ricciardo has has made a good fist of that, and we didn't see him long for long enough at Toro Rosso to know whether he could perform consistently in the midfield. 
The the midfield is so, so competitive. You've got to be so good every single weekend. The pressures, I think, are the same now as they are at the front because you have to, if you're a driver like Gasly, you're qualifying. How many times has Gasly qualified in the front three rows of the grid now this season? It's, it's phenomenal, but you have to be at that level all the time. And so there are, there is going to be pressure on Albon because this is the first time he's going to be coming in with the expectation is on his shoulders. And it'll be very interesting to see how he deals with that. And if Williams takes a step forward, as it's hoping to for 2022 with the new rules, it's not about continuing George Russell's march to get yourself to never fall in Q1, as George has, has avoided so often this season, and then scrapping on the fringes for points. They're going to be looking at what's the maximum this car is capable of. If it should be getting into Q3, sneaking into the back of the top 10 and then genuinely fighting for points every week, it's going to be Albon they're looking at to to do that. So there's a lot of pressure and there are unanswered questions from what we've seen of his career so far. And it's not a given that you can get to Gasly's level. I think Gasly sometimes goes underappreciated and the job he's doing there for Alpha Tower is is phenomenal. So if we're going to set that as the bar that perhaps Albon and Williams can get to as a combination, that's that's a high bar for me. Yeah, and it feels a little bit 50-50 for me whether it'll really pay off this move. And I think actually those are those are perfectly decent odds for Williams given how good Albon can be. So I'm really interested to see how he how he does. He's had a chance in Formula One. So even though people say, oh, it's unfair, oh, he's treated, he deserves another chance. Actually, he had a chance. He had one of the best cars in Formula One. He didn't make the most of it. That's a fact. And he's got this extra chance because he is fundamentally a driver who has got that potential and ability. But it's down to him to to make the most of it. Williams can do certain things. Obviously, they can provide the car. They can make sure that he feels like he's the the guy who they they can galvanise around and, and make him feel confident. But ultimately, it's down to the driver to do it. And the very best drivers always make the most of their situations. That that's a, a, a always been the way. So it's down to Albon to do that. And if I was Jost Capito, I'd be challenging Albon to say, right, come on, show you've got this fight and that capacity to really do this and you're not just going to kind of drift through Formula One. I thought there was one really interesting thing that Capito said along those lines, actually, where when he was being pushed on if there's a long-term relationship here, and and that was in the framework of, or can Red Bull just take him back for 2023? He said he he didn't want to go into the terms of the contract, but he said, let's see how the first year goes. Alex might not like us or we might not like him. So I think Williams are going in with their eyes open. As you said, this is a 50-50 shot at best. I agree that of the options they had, Albon ticked most of the boxes. Um, and I think Williams still will be looking at this and going, we know he's not a sure thing. We're not in a position yet where we can get ourselves a sure thing. But they're all, I don't think they're deluded. I don't think they're thinking, right, we'll just do what Alpha Tauri did with Gasly. And when there's a crazy red flag race at the Italian Grand Prix at some point, we'll probably win it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that would be a little bit of an optimistic thing to to expect. But yeah, I, I think they're going into it, as you say, with their eyes open. And I hope it works for Albon because he is a driver with a lot of ability. He's been a, lot, a driver with a lot of ability for a very, very long time. And he he's never quite in his single-seater career really got it all together. He's... He's, you know, he's been a runner-up in championship, third in a championship. Did run Charles Leclerc close in GP3, which was uh, pretty impressive, but 
sort of not quite there. So, yeah, good luck to him, and, and I hope he seizes this opportunity. But we shouldn't forget Nicolas Latifi. He's now had a couple of points finishes in F1, albeit one of them in the farcical Belgian Grand Prix. He's heading into his third season. Do you see him being able to use that status as an incumbent driver to assert himself over Albon? Not really. Um, I think it's clear that, as I mentioned earlier, he's he's popular within the team. He's settled in well. Um, and I think they did. we know that they didn't want to change both drivers. Capito said that uh, when talking to the media. So there is, a, there is a benefit to having some stability. It also gives them a benchmark for looking at how far perhaps Albon can be ahead of him versus how far George Russell's been ahead of him. Latifi does seem to be developing a bit. I think he's looked more comfortable in F1, perhaps as the cars got more competitive. But I don't think... This is why I said it's so important to make sure they got the choice of his teammate right, because I don't think we're yet at a point, nor will we probably ever get to a point where they can rely on him week in, week out. I'm I'm not convinced that his peak is high enough. It makes sense for him to get another year, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if particularly if they're happy with what they get from Albon in 2022, I wouldn't be surprised if they start sniffing around perhaps the front end of the Formula 2 grid or looking at who falls down who falls down the pecking order from the top teams to see if they can freshen up the other half of that lineup. Um, I mean, Ed, you you obviously, you analyse the drivers and you follow the weekends much closer than I do. Where Where do you see Latifi's progress? Is he still making progress? Yeah, I think there's still progress being made. He's turning up in Q2. A little bit more often, he's a decent, capable Grand Prix driver. I just don't think he's got that that upside to him in, in the in the long term. Qualifying, he's kind of chipping away, but not been close really to to Russell's level. Certainly not consistently. I've been the occasional flash. His race performances, he can turn in some pretty good race drives, but sometimes he has races where he struggles with the tires, etc. So he's he's a kind of safe pair of hands, and he offers continuity. The team like him, so I think it's a reasonably sensible move keeping him on. And of course, he's on a long-term contract. This is part of the existing contract, but there was some talk about him not continuing potentially, but it is lucrative. There's all sorts of complications in terms of the way that the, the, the deal was structured and it was related to loans to the team in its old form, shall we say, when it was obviously struggling for money. But it wasn't a foregone conclusion he'd stay. I think if they didn't like him, and he was a massive pain, they'd probably boot him out. But he's not. He's sensible, hardworking, quite intelligent driver. And I kind of see him being the, the barometer for Albon. He needs Albon does need to be ahead of him fairly consistently to, to deliver on that potential. But yeah, safe pair of hands. But he's not the guy who gets you that 10th place on a weekend when you should be 13th. I think that's the, uh, the big thing, which is why he's so rarely been in points contention. Well, thanks very much, Glenn Freeman. If you'd like to hear more from Glenn and who wouldn't, do check out the Bring Back V10s podcast, which tells all sorts of classic F1 stories. Make sure you head to therace.com and don't forget the hyphen, as there's loads to read there, including that Mark Hughes piece about the potential Mercedes Red Bull power shift. And also have a listen to our many podcasts, including the Race IndyCar podcast, and take a look at our YouTube channel. And in fact, to complete the driver market story, we've had an episode in each of the last couple of days looking at the Bottas move to Alpha and the George Russell move to Mercedes. So you can go back and listen to that if you haven't done so so far. Hopefully, after four episodes in consecutive days, that's it for the driver market revelations for this week, with only one seat left at Alfa Romeo to be settled. So we'll be back soon with everything you need to know about the Italian Grand Prix. <laughs> 